We're going to be reading from Matthew uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, as men from the east come uh, to worship the king. So Matthew 2, uh, verses 1 through 11, as men from the east come to worship the king. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly uh, with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. We're going to linger uh, just a little while here in Matthew 2 uh, as these men from the east, uh, wise men, come uh, to find uh, Jesus born uh, the king. Uh, This is a really uh, amazing passage, Matthew 2, as you think about it in all the scripture readings we've been reading uh, after the birth of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew Uh, The first thing that happens in the Gospel of Matthew after the birth of Jesus is this passage uh, where Jesus has been born. And the first thing uh, that happens in the Gospel of Matthew is that we have these men from the east come and fall down and worship. And so it's good for us to take just a minute to reflect on that. These are folks searching for a king. Uh, wise men from the east. A lot of wonderful things about these wise men that are very mysterious to us. Of course, they're nameless uh, wise men. This is really incredible. Uh, Surely these men uh, must have been known. For instance, when they got home, uh, we have seen the king. They could have set up a a YouTube channel or a daily blog or a t-shirt company or something like that. You know, we've been with the king or something like that. But in order to hear about that and Throughout church history, folks have wanted to know who were these men. And uh, we don't know their name. They're nameless. They're also numberless. Um, Nowhere do we learn how many of these men there were. Not we three kings of Orient are. Uh, There are three gifts mentioned. Could have been two men bringing three gifts. Could have been 20 men uh, bringing these gifts. There was more than one. But they're numberless too. They're also originless. Uh, the Bible just says they're from the east. And in verse uh, 12, it says they just returned to their own country. Uh, we don't know if they're from Babylon or Sweden or India or China or Mongolia or Australia or New Zealand. They're just a, from a generic direction from the east. We don't even know where they're from. 
and their occupation list as well. We speak of the kings, uh, we three kings, but uh, the Bible speaks of magi. Uh, we don't really know what that could be. Could be astrologers, could be philosophers, uh, some kind of men of standing in their communities. There's a lot of things we don't know. But what we do know about these men is that they're not, they're not from around there. Uh, they are foreigners. They come from a different country, uh, but they have come uh, to worship Jesus. And uh, there are Gentiles in the ancestry of Jesus. As you know, Matthew starts that way. Ruth the Moabites turns up in the ancestry of Jesus from outside the people of Israel. And as soon as Jesus is born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, men come from a far country to worship him as the king of the Jews. This is a wonderful thing. Here in Matthew is showing us uh, the first fruits of the life and ministry of Jesus uh, before Jesus' ministry even begins. Uh, then from the nations are coming to find him, uh, to seek him, to seek him out. Nations are coming to his light. Just at the end of the, as at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, the Bible will uh, tell us that uh, the church is meant to disciple all the nations, to go forth and disciple all the nations. But here the nations are coming to Jesus. Of course, Herod is also drawn to Jesus. Herod is also searching for the king. In this passage we read, he summoned the wise men secretly, sent them to Bethlehem, tells them, go find him, please. I want to come and worship him, too. He was lying. He did not want to worship the king. Uh, he couldn't stand the thought of another king uh, claiming the throne. We find out later he simply wanted to eliminate uh, all the competition. Uh, Jesus himself would say, of course, uh, that no man can serve two masters. There can only be one king, uh, one king in our life. And, of course, we know in our own country, too, the world would be happy if we celebrated the birth of Jesus as king uh, here in our place of worship. Uh, as long as we bow down to the kings of the nation we live in, they'll, they'll be fine with that. But if we say that Jesus is the king, the only king, uh, the true king, uh, then the nation, the nation can't handle that because there can be only one. There can be only one master. And Jesus knows this, knows this too. But these men from the east, they're seeking a king. Herod is seeking the king to destroy him. Uh, but the wise men are seeking Jesus that they might worship him. This is important for us because this passage tells us there's only, uh, there's only one of two responses to Jesus. That is, either we will uh, seek him out to follow him as our king, uh, or we will seek to eliminate him as the, the ruler and the master uh, and the Lord of our life. You can think about the gospel and the coming of Jesus kind of as, uh, as a great uh, wave of the ocean. This is what happens at Christmas. Jesus comes like a great wave of the ocean. And either we are, uh, either we are, we are with that wave, we are uh, part of that gospel, uh, or we are standing against it. Uh, but there is no, there's no being neutral once Jesus comes. Have you ever done that on the ocean? Maybe you've tried to, uh, you know, the, the waves are coming in. Um, you can't just be neutral. Um, you're, either, you're either going with the wave or you're fighting against it. And it's the same thing with the coming of Jesus. There can be only one, one king. Well, why did these men come? Well, they came, the Bible says, to find Jesus, but not just to find him, uh, but to bow down before him and, and worship him. Verse 10 and 11 says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly uh, with great joy. 
And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts and gold and frankincense and myrrh. There's lots of wonderful unanswered questions about these men from the East. Like, what did they really know about the one to be born king of the Jews? Why do they travel all this distance? We don't know how from far they come, but they come a long way. Uh, what could they have possibly known about the birth of Jesus? What word did they have? Who told them? Uh, we don't really know any of the answers to this question. The instrumental means, the Bible says in Matthew 2, is a star, his star, that guides them. Numbers 24, 17 speaks of a star out of Jacob and a scepter uh, out of Israel. No surprise here that the Lord of the universe uses this star to guide them just where they need to go. But these men are from far off and they come and bow down before Jesus. J.C. Ryle said this, these verses teach us that it's not always those who have most religious privileges who give Christ most honor. We might have thought, think about this, we might have thought that the scribes and Pharisees would have been the first to hasten to Bethlehem on the slightest rumor that the Savior was born. They knew Micah 5. Said Ryle, their heads were better than their hearts. But it was not so. A few unknown strangers from a distant land were the first, except the shepherds mentioned by Luke, to rejoice at his birth. What a mournful picture, says Ryle, this is of human nature. How often the same kind of thing may be seen among ourselves. How often the very persons who live nearest to the means of grace are those who neglect them most. There is, said Ryle, only too much truth in the old proverb, the nearer the church, the further from God. What? Said Ryle. Familiarity said with sacred things is an awful tendency to make men despise them. There are many who from residence and convenience ought to be first and foremost in the worship of God and yet are always last. There are many who might well be expected to be last, who are always, always first. That's amazing. These wise men come, and uh, these scribes and Pharisees who Herod calls, they know the prophecy from Micah, uh, but here come these Gentiles. Why don't the scribes and Pharisees get on their horse and get to Bethlehem themselves? And why don't they say, wise men, come with us. We know this prophecy. We'll come with you. We'll lead the way. We've been waiting for him. To come, they don't. Probably the same reason someone living right beside Niagara Falls needs, needs a visitor from another country to come and visit Niagara Falls and say to them, have you seen, surely you've seen the glory right beside you. Probably why people who live near the Grand Canyon in Arizona need people to come from New Jersey to Arizona and say to them, this is, this is incredible. Same reason people need to come to South Jersey and, and say to us, you see these, you know, these, uh, uh, these sunrises and these sunsets, aren't they glorious? And you say, what? <laughs> because we've seen them so often. It's the same here. Those who should have been first to worship Jesus, in fact, were last. It was others who came, these, these wise men from the East. Then they bow down 
before him. Let us be encouraged by these wise men. Let us be rebuked by these wise men. How far did they travel to worship the king? What did it cost them to worship the king? How much time did they give to come and to be in the presence of the king? Uh, Well, why did they do it? Well, somehow they knew that he was worthy and he uh, was worthy of it all. And what did they know? Here they they bow down before Jesus, before Jesus has ever spoken a word, (laughs) before Jesus has ever done any miracle. But they recognize in him the one whom God had promised, whom we've been reading about all night, who would come as the shepherd, the Lord, the Savior, the King. And how much more, dear friends, do we know about this Jesus? If, if those from far away, from the east, come, bow down in what little knowledge they had, bow before him who's born King, how much more reason do we have? to bow before the one who we know did not remain a baby, but we've seen his life in the Gospels, we've seen his compassion, his mercy, his grace, and we've seen him go all the way uh, to the cross. We've seen him raise the dead, we've seen him rise from the dead, ascend to heaven, pour out his spirit. How much more reason do we have tonight uh, to rejoice exceedingly with great joy? May it be so uh, for us tonight, tomorrow, and indeed every day as we rejoice in the Savior. Who's he born in the stall? At whose feet the shepherds fall? Tis the Lord. A wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. We're going to sing together the great uh, Christmas hymn.